Hey everyone, thank you so much again for coming to Ways to Live podcast. This is your host, Vanessa. I'm so excited. Today I have Ellison Owens, or Ellie, on the podcast today with me, and she is so amazing. I... I always say this, but I knew I wanted to interview Ellie when I started the podcast, and it's actually kind of a funny story. So um, one day I got a random, well, I had messaged her, I think, the day before. She doesn't know who I am, by the way. I've just followed her for a while, and I just um, messaged her about her house. It just looked really cute. She put it on her story, and I just told her it looked amazing. And then the next day I got a random video from her of her cat a video of her cat at her house (laughs) and it was just like a really funny like silly video that she was sending to her husband and somehow she sent it to me just a random stranger and she was like ha 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 I'm so sorry that was supposed to go to my husband and we were both kind of laughing about it and then I was like well now would be a good time do you want to be on my podcast like I'd love to have you and she agreed and then proceeded to just work with me because for some reason we both had amazing like wi-fi connection everything zoom has never given me this many problems but it was just really tricky to figure this out and you'll hear some glitching and things in there but we tried really hard to make it as good as we could for you guys and honestly you're gonna want to stick through and just listen to this episode because we talk about Ellie and how she has started a business. She started a packing cube business, which packing cubes are the most amazing essential thing I think you guys need for making any, like if you're packing, you're going somewhere, whether it's to the gym every day on a trip, like a trip would be ideal because you can, there's these little like fabric cubes that don't take up any space, but they organize all of your stuff. So you can put all of your pants in a cube and have that organized and then all of your shirts, all of your swimsuits, there's a laundry bag like cube thing and they're the cutest prints and she's just done such a good job so she tells us about how she started that business she's also the queen of thrifting and she gives us her best tips for that it's so fun and then we go on to talk about her journey with infertility trying to have a baby um, miscarriage and you know navigating that conversation she helps give advice and motivation to couples who are going through that honestly it's just like can you just listen to this introduction and realize how amazing this episode is so even though the sound quality was a little bit sketch um please just stick through and listen she's phenomenal um i'm so excited for you to listen here is ellison owens with another way to live all right guys thank you so much for coming to the show here i am with ellie or ellison owens as she is on instagram Hello. Thank you so much for coming, Ellie. Seriously, this is so exciting. Of course. I'm so excited. This is my first podcast. I know. And I was so shocked to hear that, but it's honestly an honor. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself, like um, your name, where you're from, career, how old you are? Yes. So my name is Ellie Howard, or I guess it's Ellie Owens now that I'm married. I always forget. And I was born in California, but raised in Arizona and I'm still here. Uh, I've been married for three years and we just bought a home in Mesa about six months ago. So we're just living in Mesa and my husband and I are both business owners and yeah. Amazing. So you're both entrepreneurs. Yes. Yeah, my husband owns a business and um, it's a part of the year business. He only does it for a certain amount of time each year. And then 
I own year-round businesses. So cool. Can you tell us a little bit about the businesses that you own? Of course. Um, so a few years ago, I started a business called To and Fro, and we are a packing cube company. If you don't know what packing cubes are, I can get into that later. But just kind of like a travel accessory company. company. Um, and then I also am a lash artist and I own a little thrifting resale account. So just a bunch of little random side businesses. Tell us a little bit about what your life was like growing up, like your family, um, things you did as a kid and maybe how that like influenced you as you got older. Yeah. So I am the oldest of, um, three kids and I'm the only girl as well. So there was some advantages and disadvantages to that growing up, but um, in the long run, I think it's totally just a big benefit. Yep. I mean, like I'm daddy's only girl and I'm mom's only daughter and, you know, it's just, it's just kind of fun. But my parents um, were awesome growing up. I had a great childhood and uh, my dad was an entrepreneur. My mom was super creative. Um, so my family life is just kind of centered around creativity and having fun and traveling and things like that. So I think it just instilled like a lot of qualities in me that I use in my businesses today. So cool. And um, like what did your parents push you maybe to be an entrepreneur or was that something that you kind of discovered on your own? Um, they didn't push me to be an entrepreneur. I feel like they really wanted me to attend college. And that was one thing I knew in high school. Like I did not want to go to college and I tried a semester out and it was just not for me um and I feel like since high school I've always known that I'd be picky about what I do for work like I really would just want something that I love and that pushes my creativity and so I feel like I watched my parents grow up doing things they love to do and that kind of drove me to wanting to own my own business more than get a degree in something and work for someone else Wow. That's, that's so crazy that you knew that like so young. I feel like, like at least for me, I didn't really know what I wanted. And so I needed college to like help me. That's really cool that you decided you wanted to figure that out on your own. How'd it go? It went great. I mean, I, I feel like I worked a job in high school that was, I was a receptionist at a doctor's office. Um, after school and I liked it, but I just did not like working for someone else. And I did not like an office job. And I mean, that worked for some people. That's what some people love. I just knew, I think that kind of gave me the opportunity in high school to be like, okay, I tried out the office job at a really young age and I know it's not for me and I don't want to do that. So, and I feel like it's going well for me. I mean, at no point in time have I ever been like, oh, I should go back to school. Oh, I wish I really finished school. Like, I've never thought that. So I feel like it's going good. So cool. So um, this is really good. How, do you have any advice for like young people that are in that, that stage of figuring out what they want to do? Like, what would you say to them? Um, I feel like just do what makes you happy. I mean, not that, I mean, going to school isn't the wrong idea and not going to school. That's not the wrong idea either. It's just, I don't know, listening to really what you feel like it's going to be most valuable for your time. And what felt valuable to me was not wasting time or money at college and maybe branching out a little bit and starting little businesses and failing here and there to like figure out my groove and what I wanted to do. Um, 
But I mean, it goes the same for people who want to go to school, who want to be like a dental hygienist or a teacher. I mean, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time working, you know, a job you don't like when you could be spending that time going to school and stuff. I just feel like it's about productivity and listening to what makes you the most happy. What do you like waking up and doing every day? Oh, that is seriously so good. And I feel like you've done exactly that before jump more into businesses and you know business and thrifting and your other passions um i i want to ask about you and rainer because for people that follow you you guys are just such a cute couple i just love you guys so much and i just want to know more of your backstory so like how you guys met um first like how you met and then we'll get into like how you knew he was the one and stuff like that yeah, so we met like a little over three years ago at a Halloween party. And um, I wasn't really looking to date anyone, kind of wasn't in the dating game. And we talked a little bit and he really caught my attention. And I think I caught his. Um, and then it took us about three months to actually go on a first date. <laughs> and it was me kind of instigating the first date. Like, even though I wasn't really interested in the first place, when I met him, I was just intrigued and wanted to see what he was like more so it was me that kind of pushed for that first date and then I feel like I mean not to speak for him but I feel like we both on our first date kind of knew that we get married so it was just kind of like an instant connection that's so cute um so I'm curious what like made you want to like go out with him I guess I just when he talked to me at this Halloween party like I was very standoffish and he kept kind of pushing to talk to me and I thought he was cute and I thought he was nice and I could tell he was interested in me but I just didn't want a boyfriend at the time but then after he left the party like I just I just kept thinking about him and he was mutual friends with some of my friends so you know they would he would text them and ask them about me and things like that and if I was interested and so we just kind of kept each other's attention for a few months to the point where I was like okay we need to want a date and see what's going on. What was it in your wedding? I think was one of my most favorite weddings that I've seen. Oh, you're so sweet. Instagram. You should give advice to anyone like planning a wedding. How would you say to make it like, um, them? Do you know what I mean? Like make it feel like them as a couple. Like, what would you say? What advice would you give? I feel like as far as making it feel like the couple, like both partners are involved in it like there was a few touches to the wedding that I never thought would be a part of my wedding but then I look back and loved it like Rainer loves wearing bolo ties and um like loves turquoise and stuff so we kind of I you know never thought my husband would wear a bolo tie at our wedding but um he ended up wearing one and I loved it and it was just like a touch that was him so I would say just to stick to things that your eye first because I remember planning my wedding I kind of got caught up in like oh I really like you know these colors together but those aren't really in right now or like I really like this style but everyone's doing you know a different one so I was kind of being torn between what was in style and what What? I wanted and I'm really glad I went with what I wanted and not what everyone else was doing so I feel like it's just paying attention to ideas or pins on Pinterest that immediately catch your attention and not looking for what everyone else is doing in their weddings right now. Oh, that's so, so good. Love that. 
let's start um, talking about more about to and fro your your packing queue business. I I was telling you before that my aunt at Christmas and then some of my friends got your packing cubes um, for Christmas. And then I remember I saw it and I was like, oh my gosh, like that's Ellison Owens like company. And they were like, wait, who are you talking about? And I was like, look, like this is Ellison Owens. This isn't, this, isn't this how you found her? Like the cubes? And they're like, no, like I just saw these online and I loved them. And I was like, wow, like that's how you know you're big. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. I love that. That makes me so happy. Yeah. I mean, um, it's been such a fun little adventure and it's fun seeing everyone who uses them. It's been fun seeing like people get them as birthday gifts or Christmas gifts and things like that. So it's kind of surreal to see or think that there's tons of people out there using your product every day, you know, and you have something to do with it. Tell us about how you got the idea for to and fro and yeah, just how and why that started. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I always kind of knew I wanted to start my own business. I just didn't know what, and a couple or about a year into our marriage, I was just kind of like in a rut and couldn't figure out what to do for work. And so I was trying to think of something to do and I didn't, I knew I didn't want to start like another clothing company. I just didn't know what to start. I, I can't sew. So I was like, okay, I can't, there can't be anything that I need to sew because I can't sew. So it's just kind of like a tricky time of figuring out what I wanted to start. Cause I knew I wanted to start something. So, um, I actually came across packing cubes on Amazon and I'm a super organized person and I love traveling, love being organized. And I just wanted to buy a pair of packing cubes, but I couldn't find a cute set. And so I was like, Oh, like someone needs to make a cute set because I don't know about anyone else, but anything I own needs to be cute and match my aesthetic and my personality. So like, I'm going to be the one to make cute packing cubes. So it just kind of started from there. That is so great. Um, so I, I'm so curious, like, I think people have ideas all the time, like, oh, I need to do this or this should, this should be a product, you know? Yeah. Like what's the next step from there? Um, for me, it was pretty much the basics of finding like a name, a purpose, a style I wanted to follow. And then obviously a manufacturer. Um, like I said, I can't sew and packing cubes seemed pretty intricate to sew. So for me, it was finding a manufacturer who I could, um, share my ideas with, who understood my vision for things kind of. And then it was just a lot of back and forth and tweaking little things here and there to make them exactly what I wanted. So let's talk about the name. How did you come up with that? It's such a cute name. Thank you. My mom actually came up with it. My mom is like, like I said earlier, she's so creative and her and I, our whole lives have like always been kind of a play on word kind of person. Like we love coming up with like funny play on words for different products or different things. And we've always like text each other back and forth. Like, wouldn't this be a cute name for a shop? Wouldn't this be a cute name for, you know, a TV show or things like that? Just random things. Oh, cute. So when I was telling her about it, she was like, what about to and fro? And so she came up with the name. I have to give all the credit to her, oh. but she's very creative. That is so stinking adorable. And then as far as a manufacturer goes, um, 
how, is that as complicated as it sounds? Like for, you know, people wanting to start their own product, what advice would you have for them trying to find a manufacturer? Yeah, that was the most intimidating part for me. I had no idea what to expect. I had no idea what price point was a good price point um, for my packing sets to be manufactured at. So that was a huge hurdle for me to get over. But I feel like I learned just by um, comparing prices and things like that. So what I did was I actually just typed out a paragraph, like kind of saying, hi, um, this is my name. This is my vision for my business and my product. And I gave them some details. And then I said, let me know if you can create anything like this. And then I sent it out to about like 10 or 15 manufacturers and then kind of weeded, weeded out the bad ones and the good ones from there. And based off of you know, prices per unit and who could do what, what kind of materials they had, their turnaround time, things like that. So just whittling down until I was about to like two manufacturers and then I just picked one that I felt really good about. That is so neat. And did you just like Google manufacturer? Yes, you can, um, you can Google manufacturers all over the United States if you want something locally made. And then you can go on to, there is websites for like um, manufacturers over in Europe, manufacturers over in Asia. And so I just kind of sent out a big number or a big chunk of paragraphs and letters to a bunch of manufacturers kind of all over the world. And then weeded out from there, which one worked best for me. Oh, that's so neat. So what did your husband think about all this? And like, was he supportive and like, the risk that was involved? He was supportive, which I mean, I shouldn't say it shocked me, but it is a random business. It's not like, Hey, I'm going to go to esthetician school and be an esthetician. It's not something that everyone does. It's like, Hey, I'm going to start a packing cube business. And then he was like, what's a packing cube. And I barely knew what a packing cube was. It was kind of hard to convince him a little bit, but once he understood kind of the draw to packing cubes or packing organizers and you know, I had to explain to him, like, maybe you don't think that they're useful, but, you know, women are very organized and women love cute things. And so once I kind of explained that to him, he was like, oh, okay, that's a really good idea. Um, and it's funny because my first launch of products was just women's packing sets. So they were kind of more like floral, girly patterns. And I asked him, I'm like, should I make men's ones? Like, would they, you know, would men use packing cubes? And he was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, men would not use packing cubes. You know, they're, men aren't organized. <laughs> they don't need them. And then he used one of my sets and he was like, I need men's ones. Like, he's told me so many times, he's like, I will never pack them again. So we did have some men's ones come out. They're sold out now, but I'm planning on doing some more soon. But they're great for anyone, honestly. And so what has surprised you most, like, after all of this um, or during it, you know? Like, what's what's really surprised you? Um, That's a really good question because I have an exact answer of something that just surprises me every day. I feel like... Um, you know, obviously when I first launched, I had a lot of friends and family supporting and buying packing cubes. And part of me, I was so excited that people were buying my product, but at the same time I was like, because at first it was a lot of friends and family, I kind of got discouraged in my head. I was like, you know, they're just supporting me. 
but they don't really use their packing cubes. Like it's probably something they just, they just buy and then they throw in their closet and it never gets used. But sometimes like I catch glimpses of people posting on their Instagram stories, you know, in their like hotel room and I'll see the packing cubes in the background. And it just like, I don't know why it's surprising that people use my products, but it does. It makes me, it just makes me happy knowing that it's not just people buying something and then being like, eh, I'll never use it. It's people really use them and people love them and swear by them. And I think it just shocks me every day. So it's been really fun. Yeah. Did you think like, what if I'm the only person that loves this? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I was like, I'm the only person who loves to pack now. I'm the only organized person, but it's been so fun to see people use them. Cause some people are like, Oh, I don't travel ever, but you know, I'm having a baby and I'm using them as hospital baths. I, you know, wake up and go to yoga every morning, but I have to change into my work clothes. So I bring one of my to and fro packing cubes to yoga with my work clothes in it. Like people just have come up with so many creative ways to use them that it just makes my heart flutter. Makes me so excited. (laughs) That's so, so cool. So what, what has helped your business the most, I guess, as you've grown, what has worked the most? I would say consistency, um, running a business on Instagram just requires consistency. I mean, the way Instagram has their algorithm set it just to be able to utilize Instagram in a business sort of way, you have to use, you know, every feature possible post consistently every day, every day of the week. And so, I mean, there's been times where I've definitely slacked on posting every day or utilizing all of Instagram's tools every day. And I've definitely seen a drop in sales. But then when I'm really good at posting every day and engaging with my, you know, my followers and my customers, I see a huge spike in sales and such a difference. So I really think consistency and being engaged on Instagram plays a huge role in your sales and following and everything like that. It's, it's hard work, but um, I think Instagram is amazing for businesses. Have you, um, have you used influencer marketing? Has that been something that's helped you? Yes, I have a little bit. Um, I, it's hard because I am so grateful for influencers and the times that I have worked with influencers have, you know, been so beneficial for me. It is hard because as a startup business, um, you know, a lot of influencers now have a fee for posting, you know, they don't just want the free product. They want a fee, which makes sense to me. I mean, it's their, you know, that's their work, but it has been hard kind of finding a balance of finding people to post for me and collaborate with and not paying an arm and a leg for it. Um, and not saying those people don't deserve an arm Mm -hmm. and a leg for their work and their following and things like that. It's just, you know, I think as your business grows, then you're able to connect with bigger influencers and bigger bloggers and things like that to help promote your business. Yeah, totally. Influencer marketing, it shocks. It, I've worked in it for a while and it always is shocking world how, how much it costs. <laughs> I know. There's been a few people I've reached out to and I'm like, hey, would you like to collaborate? And they send something back and they're like, sure, that'll be $5,000. And I'm just like, okay, that's, you know, <laughs> that's my mortgage for a few months. So maybe in like 10 years, we'll talk again. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm like good for them. Absolutely. But, you know, as a young person and a young entrepreneur, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. I feel like a lot of it is 
is finding a good balance of like having big dreams for your business, but also kind of gauging, okay, you know, I'm not to, I don't have 250,000 followers yet. I don't have, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in the bank to spend on influencer marketing. So you kind of have to have big dreams and big goals, but also find the balance of, okay, this is where my business is at now. This is the kind of influencer I can reach out to now, you know, maybe an influencer who's at the same stage as your business. They're just starting off as an influencer. And as you know, as you grow, you can move up to those bigger influencers who will have a bigger impact on your sales. I also think that just like word of mouth and like, you know, just the average Joe poster does so much. Absolutely. Totally. I mean, especially a product that people love and, you know, when they give you a genuine review, it's just, yeah, it just changes the game. It almost has the same impact as an influencer when someone who's not an influencer or a blogger shares your product with a real honest review. How hard has it been to stay motivated, I guess, um, through this whole thing? Um, I'll be honest. It's been really hard. Um, partly because I feel like my product is based around traveling and that is obviously something no one can do. Um, and thankfully it's starting to pick up a little bit more. And so I've seen a little bit of a mm-hmm. spike in sales, but not only, did it take a hit because traveling wasn't a thing, but people just are saving money, which I totally understand. Then it was hard on the other side as a business owner. I'm like, this is what, you know, pays my bills. So it was kind of tricky, but I felt like I figured out a groove of how yeah. to market not towards traveling. So, you know, let's market other ways. People are spending a ton of time outside. Take one of your and frozen cubes and pack it up with, you know, a lunch and go have a picnic or, you know, pack it up and take it to the park with your kids. Just little things like that. I've definitely been motivated in finding other outlets, not only just to and fro for creativity, but um, that's when I really started to get into like selling more of my thrifting things, decorating my house a lot more, home projects have, you know, kind of helped me stay motivated and created during a time when it's been hard to. Yeah. I am so sorry. I actually didn't, I actually, I don't know how I didn't think of that, but I am realizing how detrimental that would be to your business. Oh, fine. I mean, I'm so I, glad you shared how you've pivoted. Yeah. Like I, and it, it sucks, but I totally get it. You know, I totally understand like people aren't traveling right now, so you don't need packing cubes and people are trying to save their money right now. So, you know, they're not going to buy an item that's not essential right now. So I totally understood. And, you know, I mean, if it, if this keeps going on a little longer, we'll see how my positivity goes, but for now I'm pretty good. So that's awesome. Yeah. I'm really hoping, I think it will turn around. And also I think that the market for moms and hospital pet bags is like, I'm like mad at myself now for not having that for my hospital bag. Like oh, that's amazing. You'll need one for next time. I'll send you one. You definitely need one. Yes, I do. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Oh, actually I did want to ask you one more question about yeah. to and fro. It's probably slowed down now, but what kind of time like did you have to put into it on a daily basis? Probably only a couple hours, which maybe sounds little. I mean, I feel like I'm a fast worker. And so I would wake up in the morning and whatever orders I had to fill, I would turn on a podcast and just crank on filling orders. Um, you know, it's, I mean, to and fro has been a really good business. It's not like 
booming to the point where I need to hire people. Luckily, I can still manage everything on my own. Um, so between filling orders, going to the post mm-hmm. office, printing postage and things like that, um, and posting on Instagram and being active on there, probably two hours a day. But it's a fun two hours that I get to fill with, you know, like a podcast or engaging with my followers and things like that. So yeah, about two hours, I'd say. Oh yeah. I was going to ask you if you, you had employees, but you haven't. I I haven't had a steady employee, like someone who's worked for to and fro consistently, but I have, you know, I've hired up my sister-in-laws come and help me before my mom and my grandma, um, especially around like when I launch new products or new packing sets, I do get an insane amount of work in one day to the point where I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I can't do this all by myself because I do hand check every, every <laughs> that comes in the packing set. I check it to make sure there's no rips that it's sewn correctly that, you know, the patch isn't sewn on upside down. Cause sometimes that happens. So checking, you know, there's, there's seven cubes in one set. So checking one of those, every cube can get really tiresome. So I've definitely hired up my mom, my grandma and sister-in-law and stuff before to help me during crazy times like that. Wow. What's like the craziest, I don't know if this is too on the spot, but do you have like a story of just something crazy that happened with your business that you had to like hurry and figure out? And not really that I can think of. I mean, sometimes my main, I can, yeah, a couple times, a couple times I've had like I've told my Instagram followers, like I'm launching new products, you know, on the 5th of December. And so they're here in time for Christmas and everything. And then my manufacturer will message me and be like, um, your shipment's going to be a little late. You know, it's going to be really cutting it close to the 5th. So I've had nights before where I get my shipment in the night before I have to count all the inventory, make sure everything got to me, check all the cubes and things like that so that I can launch and, you know, keep the promise with my followers that I gave to them the next day. So, I mean, there's been close call situations like that, but nothing yeah. too luckily crossing my fingers. I love that because I, I just love hearing the backstories of business owners. It's just always so crazy. The things that you guys have to pull off uh-huh. <laughs> in order to get the product out. I, I just love it. And, and I just want like people to know too, you need to go look at, to and fro on Instagram or on Ellis or Ellison Owens or Ellie. I, I call you Ellison because that's how I know you on Instagram. Just so you know, she no. told me to call her Ellie that's and I, it's so hard for me. It's so funny because when I was younger, I hated the name Ellison. My mom said she, my mom used to work at a nursing home and one of the patient there was named Ellison and she would tell me that it would make me like mad as a little kid like why am I named after an old lady and like that's an old lady name (laughs) Ellison and now as I've gotten older and you know I thrift a lot and find a lot of things that look like a grandma and I just love grandma things I like call me Ellison it's like a grandma name so I'm very back and forth with my name I honestly love your name when I was showing my aunt that you were the owner of To and Fro, um, I was like, look, her name's Allison Owens and her husband's name is Rand. 
and then we were both like, "Are you kidding? Like, that could not be more perfect." Oh, yeah, we definitely have unique names, and so we'll have to keep that up with our kids. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so um, let's talk about thrifting because I feel like if anyone is the queen of thrifting, it's you. I I hear this all the time. People think that they're the queen of thrifting, but in reality, I think it's you. So please yeah. just tell us all of grits. <laughs> okay. I will, I won't, I won't say I'm the queen of thrifting, but I will admit I'm pretty good at it. Um, but I, <laughs> I've been thrifting. I was trying to think about this the other day. My thrifting kind of started a little bit in high school. Um, me and my friend Jay, we would, our football team had like theme nights for every So they would do like a whiteout or a camo theme night, you know, so you had to like dress up with the theme to go to the game. So we would always go to Goodwill and shop for, you know, things that went with that theme. And I think it was like my junior or senior year, we kind of started to look around at like, you know, not shop for camo stuff. And we started to look at the clothes and the dresses and like that. And we were like, wait, there's some cute stuff. So um, I shop like thrift shopped a little bit when I first graduated. And then um, it was about a year after being graduated that I really started thrifting and it became like an addiction. Like I worked to thrift. Like it was so fun for me and my friends to like, we would work and then we would hit up like six or seven Goodwills in a day and just come home with tons of stuff. And it just, it just, the hunt is so fun. I don't know what it is. Oh my gosh. That's amazing so you thrift at at goodwill um like strictly goodwill not strictly goodwill we have a ton of goodwills in arizona i don't know how it is in utah but seriously we have a goodwill like on every mile block and so there's just a lot to go to here um there are other thrift stores like random thrift stores that aren't chains that i go to sometimes but primarily it's goodwill yeah I, I'm honestly, I have, that sounds so bad because I actually love thrifting too. Yeah. But I haven't been to a Goodwill. Like that's, oh. for some reason, that's not the first thing that comes to my head. Yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, to me, <laughs> I mean, there's so many Goodwills here in Arizona. Like it's just the prime place to go because, because there are so many, that's where everyone donates to. I mean, rarely do people donate to the smaller stores, you know, Goodwill is the one that's getting huge, huge shipments of donations in every single day and they're restocking every single day. So I do like small thrift stores. Um, you know, you can find some good treasures there every once in a while, but Goodwill is where I just, I hit the nail on the head almost every time I go. Amazing. Um, okay. So your ass is like very unique, but you just rock it. Like, I don't understand how you do it so well. Can you just like describe your aesthetic and then maybe just like what are you inspired by like how do you do that <laughs> um I feel like my aesthetics changed like goodwill makes it very easy for me to like kind of change my my groove with my clothing choices or my home decor because everything is so cheap and easy to find um but my current aesthetic that I've been going with for the past year or so is my favorite one of all time. It's very, lots of like pastel pinks and blues and greens. Um, 
I don't really know how to describe a lot of wicker stuff. I love the wicker and the rattan. Um, yeah, just a lot of, um, I not, I wouldn't say Victorian, but modern pieces, some ornate pieces, some pieces that look like they came, you know, straight out of a grandma's house, kind of a mix of a bunch of things. Yeah. But I feel like look at your page, like you, I, maybe you don't even know that you've done this so well, but it's like, you branded it so well that I know that it's like your look. You know what I mean? You must just have figured out your style really well. That's the hard part for me when I go through is I'm like, okay, like there's so many options. Like how do you stay within like your thing? Yeah, I had to, I learned that I feel like the hard way because like I said, that, that year, it was probably like three or four years ago, probably four years ago where I really started thrifting a ton and like, most my clothing and was thrifted, I kind of had to tone it down because I was to the point where anything that was somewhat cute or somewhat vintage at Goodwill, I was like, I got to get it. And it just got to a point where I had like just a bunch of different styles going on. Nothing really matched in my house. And I was like, okay, I really have to like, when I'm at Goodwill, pick something up and I really have to envision like, how do I want to wear this? do I have a place for this in my house? You know, does it match my colors? Because I could find something right now that's like really cute, but it's bright orange. And you know, there's nothing else bright orange in my house. That's cute, but it's not for me, you know? How would you recommend people like nail down their style? Like whatever that looks like. Um, For me lately, I've been like referencing Pinterest a lot. I've been really like utilizing Pinterest and I pin like, every night and that sounds like such a cliche like inspiration idea but really i my i wish i could just bottle myself up and jump into my pinterest and live in my pinterest because it is like so aesthetic <laughs> to me i love like all the clothes that i've pinned all the home decor i've pinned so i feel like when i walk around goodwill um sometimes i've even pulled up my like my clothing pinterest board before and like try to look for clothes that match specific clothes on a Pinterest board that I like. And that's really helped me know, okay, I love this style that I have on Pinterest. This is how I want my life and my style to look like. And so I'm going to directly correlate it with the things that I buy. Yeah. I, I love, I love that. Thank you so much for, um, that tip. Um, can you give some advice to new thrifters or maybe even like yeah, try and convince like the listeners why they should go thrifting and like how to do it the right way. Hey, I feel like there's like a million reasons, but I'll give a few. One, my first one would be like, how cool is it to be sustainable? I mean, I obviously could be better at like reusing and recycling things, but it does make me really happy to look around my house and be like, everything in here is used and like, that's okay. You know, it doesn't need to be just because it's used doesn't mean it's gross. Like, um, I've talked to people before who are like, Goodwill is just gross. And you walk in there and it smells, you know, and to me, I was like, okay, well, you know, if you donate at Goodwill, if you do donate your old clothes and stuff to Goodwill, do you think you're gross? No. Like, you know, you think you're a clean person. There are millions of people who donate to Goodwill. Who yeah. Clean people just like you. And that, you know, you can't underestimate like a good wash in the laundry or a Clorox wipe. Like, you can clean up anything. A big tip is to get over, yeah, get over the gross factor of it, get over the smell. 
I mean, I walk in there. I don't love the smell either, but I get home and watch it, wash everything and it's brand new. Um, another tip would probably yeah. buy, it'd be to not just buy anything you see that's cute. Really buy things you're going to love because um, there have been times where I've spent too much thrifting and then I'm kind of burnt out on thrifting and I don't want to go anymore because I've bought in a bunch of things that I'm like stuck with now and I don't like. Another tip would be shop out of your size, if that makes sense. So like when you're shopping in the dresses, you know, if you're a medium, don't just look in the medium dresses, look in the smalls and the larges and the extra larges because you know, the workers there don't put the right sizing on the tags and they categorize it wrong. So you, I've had times before where I'm looking in the smalls and I find a large dress or vice versa. There's ways you can alter or wear things that aren't your quote unquote size to make them your size, if that makes sense. Uh, thank you so much for those tips. Um, I'm wondering what, what's the, your like favorite thing that you've thrifted, thrifted? Like my one favorite item? Yeah. Oof, that's so hard. Um, I have this cute like wall, like woven wall hanging. And it was one of my first Goodwill finds. Actually, when Rainer and I were dating, we went to a Goodwill and we found it together. And it's just big wall hanging. And it has like all my favorite colors in it. It's like tan and green. I'm looking at it right now. It's like got these cactus stitched into it. And it's just so cute because it's like totally my aesthetic, but it's kind of Southern, it has an Arizona feel to it. So that's probably... Probably something I'll never get rid of. Oh, I know what you're talking about because I've seen it on your Instagram and it is so, so cute. Yes, I probably posted um, I have, um, I have something that I, so I shop a lot for my thrifted furniture on Facebook Marketplace. I love Facebook Marketplace. Oh, I love it too. And um, I, I have this dresser and it's from like the... I think it's the late 60s, early 70s, and it's like a mid-century modern, and it has the most amazing, like, round mirror that's, like, attached to the dresser, yeah. and it is, it's so gorgeous. I, I know, I told, I told my husband, I was like, we are never, ever getting rid of this. Like, it will be in our children's room. It is the most amazing thing ever. I love it so much. I need to see it. It's so fun to have pieces in your house that like no one else has. Like I love shopping at, you know, Urban Outfitters and Target and things like that. But it's also so fun to have something where it's like, who knows where this came from? Like who owned this before me? Where has it been? And now I get it in my house and, you know, it's just a unique piece of like furniture or clothing that no one else has. Yeah. Definitely. I feel the exact same way. I'm, I'm a history buff. Like I love history. So I feel like it, it just, I don't know. It makes me so happy. Holy, I love that. Okay. I also was wondering how does your husband feel about you thrifting like, and you spending money at thrift stores? <laughs> it's, it's, I think he's got like a relationship with it. I mean, I do come home with a ton of cool stuff and it's you know, he, get, I mean, and he comes home and sees that stuff. And instead of rolling his eyes and being like, you know, did you spend a hundred dollars on that, you know, vase, that table, I could be like, it was six bucks, you know, but, but at the same time, he's yeah. got a little bit of a hate relationship with it because I buy cheap things in bulk, if that makes sense. So, but I mean, I definitely, like I said, really I'm picky and choosy about what I buy 
and how it's going to fit in my house, you know, and if there's a place for it. And so I think, I think he's good with it. He loves seeing all like the unique pieces. He's kind of like me where it's kind of like, where did it come from? I wonder where it was before. And it's cool having things that no one else has. So he's got to love. So cool. How much of your wardrobe is like thrifted and how much is not thrifted? It is probably, I want to say like 85% thrifted. I like really have tried, like my favorite thing is that when I need like a new white t-shirt, I don't go to like Target or Amazon to get a white t-shirt. I go straight to the white t-shirt section at Goodwill and I can find like three or four really good white staple t-shirts. So I feel like lately a bigger percentage of my closet has become more thrifted because I've been finding more staples for my wardrobe, like basic t-shirts or jeans or shoes, um, you know, from Goodwill and things like that. So yeah, I'd say like 85, 90% is mostly thrifted. That is, thank you so much for reminding me to do that because I always think about basic stuff that I need. And I, my first thought is like, Target, Amazon, yeah. no stuff like that. Yeah, one time I bought pretty basic white t-shirt off of like free people. It was like 35 or 40 bucks. And I think a couple of days after I'd already bought it, I went to go and found a t-shirt I loved better for like four bucks. And I was like, why did I do that? Like, why did I buy a basic white t-shirt from, you know, free people for $35 when I could have gotten a million white t-shirts <laughs> for the same price from Goodwill, so... I feel you. Um, I have to tell you one more story on thrifting. Um, yes. One time my friend and I were shopping and my friend is the best. You'll hear from the story. So we were shopping and she found these, um, what, they were Air Maxes and they were size 12 for men. Uh-huh. Like, and they were, they were at the DI and they looked brand new and I knew my husband had talked about like, like these shoes and so like I was stoked I, they were just his size and so we were I was carrying him around while I was looking and I set him down and I was looking at something else and I turned around and they're gone and so I was like oh my gosh like someone picked him up and like put him in their cart <laughs> and my friend went around to all the carts and found them and then went to the person and said hey can you please give him back <laughs> That is a good friend. That is that is a really good friend. I love it. I know. It was so funny. Okay. Um, I know that like there's a topic that you we I wanted to talk to you about and I know that you said that you would like to touch on. So you and your husband have struggled with infertility for a little while. And I wanted to just kind of like open up that conversation and ask if you could tell us a little bit about your experience with that. Of course. Um I was telling someone the other day, I really, I like to talk about my fertility. I mean, it might make some people uncomfortable, but I feel like it obviously needs to be talked about. And I feel like there's been times where I've opened up about it before when I was like, man, I don't know if I should talk about this. And then just the response from people going through the same things is just, there's so many women and couples going through the same thing, thing right now that it's just, I just think it's important to talk about. So um, I can kind of give you a background on like how it all started, but a couple of years ago, maybe like two and a half years ago, we were talking about when we want to have kids and we both just had this, this inkling, this feeling like, you know what, 
maybe we will have trouble getting pregnant. Like, let's just stop preventing pregnancy and, but not try and just kind of let things be and see what happens. And that way, if we get pregnant right away, even if it's not, you know, the best timing, we're really blessed to be pregnant. Or on the other hand, if we don't get pregnant for a long time, maybe we have a head start of knowing if something's up. So, so I got off birth control and then about two months later got pregnant. Um, and we were so excited. Like we, I mean, obviously it wasn't like pristine timing, but we were so excited. We just didn't think it would happen right away. I mean, it's just, you're just like, oh my gosh, it really works. Like having sex really makes you pregnant. Like it's just kind of this like surreal feeling. You're dying. <laughs> yeah. And so um, we were so excited. We told my parents, we told his parents, we told our friends, we told like um, both our sides of the family. We had actually gone to um, Hawaii with my grandparents and all my cousins and aunts and uncles because it was my grandparents' 50th anniversary. And I'm the oldest cousin. So we had told them, my grandparents in this big way, like you're gonna be great grandparents for the first time. And like, it was this whole big party, a whole big ordeal. And we we're so excited. And part of me was like, I wonder if we'll have a miscarriage, you know, but that's not gonna happen to me. That happens to other people, but not me, you know? And I, I kind of felt like that. And then literally it was yeah. the day after we got home from Hawaii that I miscarried. And it was just like, shock like it was just the most horrific experience and I feel like miscarriages aren't a thing talked about either I literally thought when people had a miscarriage nothing happened you just weren't pregnant anymore but I didn't know that everything had to you know pass through your body and it was just weeks of pain and emotions and things like that I had no idea so that just came as a shock and then you know a lot of comments from friends and family, which they were totally trying to be helpful, but a lot of comments were things like, you know, at least you're even pregnant, or people saying like, oh, I had a miscarriage and I got pregnant, you know, two months afterwards, like, don't worry, you'll be pregnant within, you know, and my husband and I really clung on to that, like, we were hurting, we were sad, and we just wanted to be pregnant again, so I was like, in my head, I was just drinking everything anyone was saying to me, like, it came as a really big shock to us when you know, three, six, eight, 12 months passed and we had no progress with getting pregnant again. Um, and we were just so confused. And I feel like it hurt that much more because we'd gotten a little bit of a tease of a pregnancy, you know? Um, and not that it doesn't hurt for people who have stru- who are struggling with infertility, who have never been pregnant before. It hurts just as bad. But I just, my experience was like, I felt like I just got this like stick of pregnancy and I made this whole big deal out of it and I felt embarrassed that I told our family in some ways I felt embarrassed that I like you know I don't know I just felt embarrassed about a lot of things and so it was just a really bad year of, of struggling to get pregnant again and mourning the loss of a miscarriage uh, a lot of infertility specialists won't see you until about a year of trying so we had to try on our own for about a year after our miscarriage of just failures every month. You know, we're still to this day, we're still struggling with it. And, but we're, we're absolutely making progress. We're seeing a specialist now because it's been um, 21 months since our miscarriage. So it's been well over a year and we're working with the specialist and, you know, doing all the right testing and stuff. So I feel like our time is coming. Um, 
but it's definitely been an interesting, an interesting and a really hard, but eye-opening journey for my husband and I. Yeah. Uh, my, like, just hearing your story, like my heart is in my stomach because it's so emotional. I, and the thing is too, it's different for everyone. Like, I don't know how you feel about people grieving with you. And sometimes it's hard because people say the wrong things. (laughs) And uh, I don't know, like what actually helped? So I really had to just kind of tune out those. Yeah comments and cling to like my husband and cling to my immediate family and friends. I, when I miscarried, I was, I was 80. And so a lot of people would say like, well, at least you were only eight weeks. At least you don't know the gender, you know, at least you hadn't done an ultrasound yet. Like trying to kind of, I know that they didn't mean bad, but they were kind of, you know, discredit feelings. And so I think I didn't let myself be sad for all because Mm -hmm. I'm like, I have no room to be sad. There's people who struggle with infant loss and infertility way, way more than I do. So I was like, I can't, I have no room to be sad. And um, I think I held on to that for a little bit. And it took me a while to realize like that was still a little spirit. And that was still, you know, a physical little body growing inside me. And that was still half of me and half of my husband. And it was still life-changing news, you know, like, it was still a pregnancy. It was still a baby. So I think it took me a while to put everyone's weird comments aside and really focus and let myself be sad and mourn the loss of a miscarriage, even though it was only eight weeks, like it was a baby, you know? Because, I mean, I saw a quote somewhere that said, you know, once you take a pregnancy test and you find out you're pregnant, you're a mom. Like, it doesn't matter if you carry a term, it doesn't matter if you carry halfway, it doesn't matter if you miscarry the next day, you're still a mom. You still carried your own baby inside you for a little bit. So I feel like that was definitely, that was my tool that I really had to lean on was letting myself be sad and not compare it to other people's experience. Uh, I just got chills like all over my whole body. Oh, like, thank you so much for sharing that. Of course. I think what everything you said is, so amazing and I think I just want to speak to people who are trying to maybe help and a sentence starts with at least mm-hmm. maybe don't say that you know yeah. <laughs> like that that's a, that's like one of the hardest things to hear I think and what um you know what would you say like a, did you like did you like it when strangers acknowledged that something that that had happened um what 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 did you like appreciate i i like when people acknowledge like that i was going through a hard time for me if i was talking to someone who was going through a miscarriage i would just say i'm so sorry i know you're hurting so bad like i wouldn't at least they're in a better place at least this you know i wouldn't say those yeah those at least sentences never turn out good, even though they have good intentions. I think I would just be empathetic. Hearing someone say that their yeah. heart hurt for me made me feel like, oh my gosh, my feelings are valid. I'm allowed to be sad. And someone else can be sad with me. You know, this is, this is definitely something to be sad about. So I feel like for me, it was just people acknowledging my feelings and being there with me, being in my sad feelings with me. They didn't need to be depressed. They didn't need to, you know, go home and cry for the rest of the night. But just the 
mere 10 seconds of them being like, oh, like my heart hurts for you. I'm so sorry you're hurting. What can I do? You know, that was just, that was very helpful for me. Yes. Empathy is like, it is, it is everything. Um, what advice would you give to couples then that are trying to get pregnant and they're in the middle of this? I've talked to you women I know who have struggled with infertility before and they've overcome it, you know, and now they have babies and stuff like that. And so I've, I've been talking to them and leaning on them a lot, listening to their advice. And it's hard because in retrospect, one day I, I know I'll be able to look back and be like, dang, those times were so hard, but now I have, you know, four or five beautiful kids. I know that one day I'll be able to look back and think that, you know, so, I mean, really that's all I'm leaning on now, even though it's frustrating to hear, it's frustrating when someone who's gone through infertility tells me like, I've been through it before, you have to keep holding on, one day you'll be so grateful. And when they tell me that immediately, I'm just like, shut up. Like, that's so annoying. I just want it to be my turn, but yeah. I actually think about it. I'm like, it's true. Like mm-hmm. one day I really will be able to look back and be grateful from whatever it is I'm being taught right now. I'm not quite aware of it yet, whether it be patience or something, but I know one day I'll be able to look back and be like, that was why that sucked, but that was why we dealt with that. So I guess just looking to the future and knowing that things are going to work out the way they're going to work out. Yeah, that's, that's a hard thing to do, but I think that, I think that that's what all you can do kind of, right? And I think hope, if you don't have hope, then what do you have? you know? Totally. And I feel like for a long time, I was focusing on like, I'm not going to be happy till I'm pregnant. I'm not going to be happy till I'm pregnant. And like that had an effect on my mental state and that had an effect on our marriage because, you know, guys in general are just better at, at being hopeful and, you know, positive, not dwelling in emotions as much as women. So that kind of took a toll on Ray and I because he was so hopeful and like, faithful and ready to move forward in the process and he you know knew it would happen one day and for me I was just like I am not having a good attitude until there's another baby in my bed but now I feel like I've gotten more a hold of other things that make me happy because I have to cultivate like myself to be able to care for a baby one day you know if I'm not taking care of myself and my mental state how am I going to take care of a baby when it comes you know so I just feel like your mental state can take a toll on your infertility. If you're negative and you're holding stress in your body, like your body's going to reject, you know, something as fragile as a baby. So you have to keep yourself in a positive, stress-free state as hard as it is. You have to try because, you know, you have to fill your own glass before you can fill someone else's, especially being a mom. Def, most, most definitely. And like you said, that's, that's a hard thing to do, but um, things that make you happy, as hard as that sounds, I, which I think is what you do, you know, with your business and thrifting and with your house and so many other things. Like, I just applaud you at what you've been able to do. And I bet, you know, a lot you, I don't know, how do you feel like about what you've been able to do with the time that you've had? I, I feel like I've been able a lot about myself like like I said I was the first year probably of infertility I very much dwelled in the, like poor me this sucks and I'm not I'm not moving on until I'm pregnant kind of thing 
And I feel like I've learned a lot about myself by letting go of that. And I'm still wanting to be pregnant. I'm still yearning for it every day and working towards it, but I'm not letting it consume and control me. So it's definitely given more opportunity to focus on my business more, focus on my marriage more, you know, create a home that's, you know, comfortable and welcoming for when I am a mom, create a mental state that I can, you know, be a mom and be a caretaker of another being with. It's just, it has given me a lot of opportunity to grow. Um, what, what are, what's something that you do that grounds you and that kind of like brings you back to your why and everything every, every day? Is there something you like to do? Yeah. <clears throat> I love journaling. I'm not always the best at it, but when I do make it a consistent part of my night, I like totally know the difference. Lately, I've been like bullet journaling because sometimes it's so hard for me to sit down and write like paragraphs about my day, write down little acts of service that happened to me that day or little blessings in disguise. It's just, there's a lot of things to write down every day. So I've been like, you know, just quick little sentences and phrases that I want to remember one day. So that's been very helpful to kind of end the night and see things like on a positive note. And then a big thing for me is music. I feel like I try and share a lot of my music on my Instagram, but music has always been a huge grounding source for me. It just, I just love the feelings I get when I listen to certain music. And yeah, so. Okay, cool. And then um, how, with for couples going through something like, like this, what, what's something that you advise them to do to like, maintain a healthy relationship yeah um I would say this I hope this is not inappropriate but you know making a baby can feel like business um when you're dealing with infertility it just feels like it doesn't feel fun or does it feel romantic sometimes so I feel like definitely find other ways oh yeah relationship mm-hmm. romantic date nights and my mom always says um, she always reminds me like to keep dating each other you know even though you're married still treat each other like you did when you were boyfriend and girlfriend and you're you know you were first cultivating a relationship still getting to like, first getting to know each other like still date each other even though you're married so I feel like my husband and I have really had to learn how to find other ways to be romantic and you know keep the love in our relationship when a big part of it feels so you know just drowned out in fertility issues so I would say just cultivating your relationship and yeah. And just, and just staying positive. I think it's hard when it's hard when both people in the relationship are brought down by fertility issues and are negative, you know, I mean, if you both can look for the positive and feed off of each other, then the dynamic and the results that you're going to get are going to be so much better if you can maintain positivity. I love that advice so much. And it's something that I hadn't thought about. So thank you so much for sharing that. Okay, Allison. Well, I am obsessed with this episode. Literally. It was so thank you. Thank you so, so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's seriously, I was so nervous about my first podcast, but it was so fun. Thank you. For, you know, obviously that people don't know, but it's been kind of a fiasco trying to get, um this to work over zoom we've had a few problems with for some reason the connection and uh ellison has been just so awesome um with working with me so i'll support her in every way that you can because literally she's amazing (laughs) 
perfect. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you. That was so much fun. Thanks so much for supporting the podcast, for being here. Just know I love you. That was Ellison Owens with Another Way to Live. <laughs>